Welcome to another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Today we're going to talk about arthritis. Did you know that more than 60 million North Americans have arthritis, with women making up 60% of the arthritis diagnoses? And joining us from Victoria, British Columbia, is Leslie Kent. Leslie, thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. Leslie, what was your issue? Well, I had arthritis, and I found a leave worked wonderfully for me, except when it got worse and worse, and I was up to six a day, and my stomach was bothering me, and I just wondered if it was worth it to even keep taking a leave. And fortunately, I was a friend of Corey's, and um, she directed me to to the oil, mm-hmm. and um, I thought, oh, this isn't going to be any different, and I, but you don't know what to expect, and mm-hmm. that was the whole thing, and I didn't, you know, it's not something I do every day, and I haven't done before, but I thought, well, I'll try it, and my whole world changed. How bad was your arthritis? It was, wasn't that bad, like I was, I could still walk, but it, I couldn't really straighten up very well, and um I wasn't crippled with it, but it was just annoying. And I, you know, I got a little boat and I couldn't get in and out. And mm-hmm. um, it, w- it was hard. It was a lot of stiffness with it. And uh, so, uh, you know, it was tolerable easily. And the pain wasn't there because a leave relieved that, but uh, the stiffness. And when with the CBD oil, the stiffness wasn't there. And all of a sudden I could bend. I haven't for maybe 10 years been able to close my hand and make a fist. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I could. And uh, it was just amazing. Did you find over the years that your arthritis was getting worse? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's in the family. I have a friend who uh, was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, and he went on the medication that the doctor recommended. And uh, the doctor said, if you don't take medication, you'll be in a wheelchair within two years. So he took the medication, and for the first month, he just said he just felt horrible. And then he went and uh, started taking cannabis oil, and it relieved all of his pain. The only pain he has now, he said, is just in his little finger. Do you still have pain? No, no pain at all. But that's an amazing story, and I have heard that from other friends of mine who we directed them in the right <laughs> area, and... uh it is rheumatoid arthritis is terrible, mm-hmm. and um, it's helped them. I don't know a case of my friends. I only have two or three friends that had that problem, but they're fine. Yeah. Corey, what's your relationship with Leslie? Leslie's a friend of mine who, uh, she actually knew me before I was diagnosed with cancer and can certainly attest to the huge difference uh, in my own health, and was with me the first time that I made oil, so uh, rather a kindred spirit. (laughs) When I first spoke to her about the possibility of using oil for her arthritis, she was pretty reluctant. I don't think she thought it would work. (laughs) Now, you are hesitant because you don't know enough about it, but, uh, you know, I, I think... It was just amazing the change, and now I have six or seven friends that are all that had arthritis, and 
still have it, and we all are just so much better. Mm-hmm. They're all taking CBD, let's be clear, yeah. though. CBD, which is non-psychotrophic, yeah. so there is no high. And I remember uh, a friend of ours, Mike, being at the table that night and being really concerned that you were going to get blasted, and he looked totally wor- He looked like the worried father with the daughter going to her first prom. <laughs> 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 and I'm assuring him she's going to be fine. <laughs> I think one of the things, too, when you when you first start taking it, you don't know what to expect or how it's going to affect you, and it, mm-hmm. it's scary. And the thing is, you get a prescription, medication, and they tell you to take one pill every four hours and all this. This they don't, We don't know anything or how much to take, so you're experimenting, and it's different for different people. But it's just the not knowing that is probably the biggest fear. It's interesting you mentioned that because uh, people are uh, more than agreeable to taking prescription medications because their doctor recommends it. Without question. Without question. And without knowing the side effects which could occur, uh, not only uh, immediately but later on in life, uh, acetaminophen, by the way, uh, causes liver problems, liver damage. And uh, people will pound that stuff back in order to relieve the pain of arthritis. So you took a leave, and you've taken leave of a leave now, haven't you? Yes, (laughs) Yes. definitely. In fact, I don't even have any in the house. (laughs) Do you find – have you ever taken uh, uh, oil that had a higher THC level in it? Um. Once I tried it, uh, mainly for sleep issues, Mm -hmm. and I took something just a bit stronger with THC in it. Unfortunately, I perhaps didn't judge the dosage properly, and I had trouble in the morning. I was hungry. thought I was going to die. My head was spinning, and um, I started cooking. I never cook. I never have breakfast. Mm -hmm. And I made some French toast, and I was pouring the syrup over it, and then I couldn't stand the syrup bottle up again. So I had to get the spoon and then put the the um the syrup bottle on an angle on the spoon so it wouldn't drip all over and i could i couldn't believe it later on the day i realized what had happened and it was something stronger so i won't go there again and if i do i'll take less houston <laughs> houston we have a problem <laughs> yeah we have a problem now uh cory when people go to a dispensary and get cbd oil all cbd oil isn't alike no is it no so what did what did, how do they know what they're getting? Well, in I think in some cases you don't know what you're getting. I know my experience here in Victoria in the few dispensaries that I've gone into, um some of them have CBD derived from cannabis, some of them have CBD derived from hemp. Some have no idea whether it's from hemp or cannabis. Some are able to tell you the percentage of uh CBD and some places have no idea. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of shooting in the dark. And uh, I don't think uh, we've talked about this on the program. The differences between uh, CBD from hemp and CBD from the marijuana plant, cannabis. What are the differences? Well, I think that CBD from hemp um, is totally different than from cannabis. I do know that, um, I mean, it's supposed to work somewhat the same, but I think that when you're getting... CBD from cannabis, you've got that whole, you know, you've got the different terpenes and flavonoids, you've got that whole plant right. thing versus versus hemp. I do know that uh, I spoke to uh, somebody in the States uh, who had been using CBD from hemp with uh, people with arthritis, and she wasn't seeing any success at all. And I was quite confused and said, what do you mean? 
I've got about 10 people here now, and they can't believe the difference. And so we went on to discuss this further, and it turned out that the CBD they were receiving was CBD derived from hemp. Mm. The people that my friends up here were receiving CBD derived from cannabis. Cannabis. 17%, I believe it is, CBD. Yeah. Leslie, when you talk to others who have arthritis, and you mention you're on CBD, uh, how do they react? At first, it's a bit of a shock, but um, some of my closer friends noticed a difference in me, and they were struggling along, and again, they don't like taking these this other medication, and even prescribed medication. And um, so they've been willing to try because they saw the difference in me. Mm-hmm. But um, I think um, as you get older, you get wiser too. And I think you real they realize that I got to try it. And they know me well enough to know that wow, she wouldn't try it. And if it was working, if it wasn't working, I wouldn't be doing it. Mm-hmm. So um, I I think I have six friends now that are all with arthritis that have had a noticeable change since they started. Was your arthritis mainly in your hands? My hands and my knees. <laughs> yeah. And how do your knees feel today? They're fine. I, I just... It's unbelievable. Mm. And how much CBD do you take a day? I take five a day. Five? Yeah. Okay. And I try and take two before I go to bed because it it also helps my sleep. I never dreamt all this would happen. Another friend of mine had severe anxiety problems. And since she started on the CBDs for her arthritis, her eyesight has improved, and it just has. And she sleeps so much better, and um, her anxiety is virtually gone. She has the occasional attack, but it's minor, minor, minor. Mm. The eyesight. You, before we uh, started this recording, you were telling about your eyesight. Tell us, <laughs> tell listeners that story. Well, the other night, actually, I think we'd watched the Jays game, and then a hockey game came on afterwards, and we were in a pub. Surprise! And uh, <laughs> we were pretty close to the screen, and it wasn't my choice, but it was crowded. And uh, I kept looking up, and it was bothering my neck, and my eyes felt strained. So I just thought, okay, I'll just listen when there's a roar. I'll put my glasses on and <laughs> see what happened. Mm-hmm. So um, I put my glass, took my glasses off and just left them on the table. And then there was a roar. So I, I glanced up at the screen and my goodness, I could see the puck. I could see everything that was going on much more clearly than with my glasses on. Isn't that interesting? So your your glasses, you may be in a position where several years down the road, you may not need your glasses. Well, I, ha- I do have cataracts starting in the in one eye but still it it didn't when i don't have my glasses on it it doesn't bother me Corey, in your dealings with uh, people around the world uh does cbd help cataracts i don't see why it wouldn't yeah and that cbd that you've got is going to have a little bit of thc in it yeah i don't know if you would need more thc i'd have to look it up but certainly i'd continue on the road and see what happens i'm happy (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic. So when uh, when you glanced up and you saw the puck without your glasses, which you haven't seen the puck with your glasses, I could vaguely see something moving across the screen, but it was so much clearer now. Looked yeah. like an ant. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know at the time that maybe it was the CBD? No, I thought maybe. I never even thought about that until. I mentioned to my friends, oh my goodness, I can see. And then somebody else said, well, you know, maybe that's another side effect <laughs> yeah. of the CBDs. The friends who know you're taking it, they're supportive of, of what you're doing? No one's ever said 
No one's even appeared shocked. <laughs> In fact, there's a, a group through a friend of mine. She started on the CBDs for her MS and uh, and other, now she's more educated and she's got it pretty well managed, but she lived in a retirement home and there's now four ladies that carpool to different dispensaries. <laughs> but they, Yay! <laughs> but it's funny, they, they ran into that issue where the CBDs, uh, the CBD oil wasn't the same at the two different dispensaries and it sort of confuses them, but I think that's interesting. I didn't know about CBD hemp oil, and maybe that's part of the problem, that maybe they aren't getting what they think they're getting. Yeah, because uh, I think, Corey, you've talked about this. Uh, I don't know whether you talked about it on on, uh, on the air, but uh, privately we've had a discussion about this, that when you go to a dispensary uh, and they bring in the product to make the oil, um, mm-hmm. you really don't know – what sort of soil uh, that uh, that plant was grown in because each plant can have a different uh, cannabinoid uh, level yeah. level yeah and a different THC level correct so uh, when you go into a, a dispensary essentially aren't you getting a different oil each time you go in well it could be made from the same batch or batch. whatever but um, certainly it would be good if you could go to a place where it's been tested. And then you know at least what you're getting, you know, CBD-wise, CBG, CBN, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the difficulty we have in Canada is because uh, it is still an illegal product, uh, the Health Canada has said to uh, the dispensaries that they can't take their product in to get tested. Do I have that right? I think there's something about that. But, you know, yeah. this whole this whole area is changing daily and there's so much yeah. gray area right now i mean i know some of the products well for example at uh, the victoria cannabis buyers club their products are tested that's how i know you know that it's 17 yeah. percent safe for cbd and um they'll have different thc with with and they'll have the level of the thc but not all dispensaries have that Leslie, you'll get a, uh, you'll find this interesting. Uh, according to Mike Hart, he's a medical doctor and a head physician at the Ontario chapter at Marijuana for Trauma. He says cannabis is much more effective and safer long-term solution than opioids. The science is clear and demonstrates that cannabis is far safer than opioids. In fact, it's not even close. Opioids have killed more people than all illegal drugs combined, while cannabis has never killed a single person. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. So you would, uh, today, if you weren't taking cannabis, you'd still be taking uh, pain medication. Yes, probably prescribed medication at this stage. Because originally it was just over-the-counter. The Aleve was just over-the-counter. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd be on prescribed medication. You'd feel like hell. Yeah. Yeah. Your uh, arthritis wouldn't be any better. No, I still have the stiffness. Still wouldn't be able to make a fist. Yeah. And you still wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't get up and, and uh, cook in the morning for breakfast. <laughs> Pancakes. No, I haven't had any since. <laughs> you haven't had any since. Leslie, do I recall, are you um, giving Dozer some CBD oh. as well? Who's Dozer? <laughs> no, it's not her husband. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's my dog, but I, if my daughter hears this, I'm in trouble. <laughs> but it is uh, sort of, the dog is a, a pug, and they are very prone to arthritis, so I sometimes sprinkle a bit, especially in the morning. She doesn't move as quickly as I want her to, <laughs> and uh, so I've just sprinkled a bit on her food, you know. And how has it worked? 
it worked fine. She's better now. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't do it all the time now because my daughter's taking the dog more, so I don't want to send the oil with it. <laughs> yeah, that's too bad, though, because yeah. uh, certainly there's um, a number of stories out there of people who have put their dogs on um, cannabis, yeah. either for cancer or for arthritis, and it just it's like night and day for some of them. Yeah. Mm. Is your daughter opposed to it? Um, I think she's opposed to me giving it to the dog, not opposed to me taking it. <laughs> oh, so but the, maybe part of that is her not just just not having enough information. Yeah, oh, it is, and because she doesn't take the dog that often, so you know, it's so, easier just to avoid the subject. <laughs> so she doesn't. She thinks the dog's more important than you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's great to hear that your uh, arthritis is. Would you say it's in remission, or you just it's disappearing, or one of the same? I don't know. I I did run out a couple of weeks ago and I thought I feel fine so I didn't go right down and get more I waited a couple of days and then I think it was only two days two mm-hmm. days later I thought oh my god what's the matter with me <laughs> and so I did go and get some more yes. um, it was obvious what it was a noticeable difference when you're not yep. taking it mm-hmm. and I think that's another thing with prescription drugs you don't expect immediate reaction but somehow with cannabis these People think it's going to happen right away, but with the capsules and that, you got to take them for three or four days before it gets into your system and continues to act. But they take two one night before they go to bed and say, oh, this doesn't work for me. And that's not fair. Without giving it a try. Yeah, you got to try it. And you, you know, it Stick takes to time. it. Yeah. Well, it goes back to what we uh, what we talked about earlier. Uh, the people are are have complete faith in uh, pharmaceutical medications, yeah. but cannabis, uh, because it has been demonized for the last seventy seventy five years, and uh, it's a Schedule One drug in the United States, and opioids, uh, I think, are Schedule Two or or lower, and uh, it is it is up there with some of the drugs which are extremely harmful. When in fact, nobody, nobody in the history of taking marijuana has ever died. As Bob Malamede said uh, on the program the other day that uh, a friend of his took 50 grams. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Lunchtime. And slept for a couple of days, but uh, it helped him. So you you can't overdose on this. No. No. I remember um, I went with Corey to uh, when Rick Simpson was in town, and he was giving a talk. And that's one thing he said. The worst thing that could happen is you sleep for a month. (laughs) And that's so true. But you are going to wake up, and you are going to be fine. And you're not going to have brain damage, and you're not having growing a new eyeball or anything like that. Exactly. No, when Rick Simpson, uh, he was one that really uh, started this active movement toward the use of uh, cannabis oil. oil. But he always talked about hemp oil. Why did he do that, Corey? I don't know when I want to shoot him for that. (laughs) No. Um, Well, cannabis is part of the hemp family, but unfortunately, with it being called hemp, it's really confusing to people. You know, you can go into um, a health food store and buy hemp seed, hemp seed oil. Mm -hmm. I've certainly had a number of people contact me who thought they were on cannabis oil and they were on hemp seed oil. Mm-hmm. Which is very good for you, very nutritious, but it's not going to kill that cancer. Yeah, with cancer you need a high THC. High level. THC, yes. Yeah, and uh, hemp has a lower THC, virtually non-existent. Yeah, I think point five percent to three yeah. percent. I think. Yeah. And whereas cannabis, it, you can get up to how high for, for CBD or THC can you get with uh, marijuana? 
Well, in raw form, I think it's in 20%, somewhere in the 20% yeah. area. I'm not, you know, really clear on that, but I do know there's oils that people have made that some of them are claiming 95% THC. Have either one of you ever juiced marijuana? Not me. Marijuana no. Yeah, apparently it's supposed to be good for you. It's supposed to be great for you. I think the issue is you'd need so many plants yeah, to do it. And you don't get high from it, because in order to get high, you have to heat heat, heat it. Heat it. Yes. Yeah. It's very interesting. Leslie, uh, thanks for coming in. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, I'm s- sorry your dog isn't on uh, <laughs> more CBD. <laughs> Thank you, Ian and Corey. Appreciate You're welcome. It. Thank you. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there listening right now who would like some relief from their arthritis. And I should point out that in the summer of 2015, the Canadian Arthritis Society funded a three-year research grant to a Dalhousie University researcher to determine if marijuana can relieve pain or repair arthritic joints. Pain-detecting nerves are filled with cannabinoid receptors, and according to researcher Jason McDougall, Cannabinoids control the firing of pain signals from the joint to the brain by sticking themselves to nerve receptors. And in another controlled study conducted by the Royal National Hospital for Rheumatic Diseases in the UK, it showed that cannabinoids provide statistically significant improvements in pain on movement, pain at rest, and the quality of sleep. Now, let's change directions here. One of the things we want to do on this program is to educate people about the medical benefits of cannabis. I want to play for you the story of a man who changed his mind about medicinal cannabis. He's Hugh Hempel, who talks in this TED Talk in uh, Nevada. He tells the story of how cannabis enriches the lives of his two daughters. Let's listen to what he has to say. What goes through your mind? when I tell you that my 11-year-old twins are using marijuana, do you think to yourselves, oh my God, the drug problem in the U.S. is worse than I thought. How is it possible that 11-year-olds get access to pot? Maybe some of you thought, geez, I wonder what medical condition these kids have. The truth of the matter is, most of us don't think about medicine when we hear the word marijuana. I admit, I'm embarrassed to admit, that up until two years ago, I was completely misinformed about marijuana. And I think many of our population is today. I remember vividly in sixth grade being ushered into the auditorium to see a government-sponsored documentary about marijuana. It was the most scary thing I'd ever watched. People jumping off buildings, car crashes. It was, it was mayhem. But not once was there a mention of the possibility that cannabis was useful as medicine. To be honest, in retrospect, I'm a little angry about the propaganda that our government is putting forth, even happening today. My big idea worth sharing is that medicinal cannabis can be the healthcare success story of our lifetimes, but only if we all engage in learning the truth and ask our federal government to end prohibition of cannabis. I'd like to introduce you to my twins, Addison and Cassidy. Believe it or not, Today's their birthday. Eleven years ago today, only a mile from here, they were born and came into our lives. Happiest day of my life. I love the date, too. January 23rd, 2004. One, two, three, four. Unfortunately, Addie and Cassie suffer from a very rare genetic disorder called Neiman Pick Type C. This horrible disease 
is more commonly called, or what we call it, is childhood Alzheimer's. Their little brains are drowning in cholesterol. They're missing a protein that allows them to process cholesterol both in and out of their brain cells. The cause is neurodegeneration. They can no longer walk, and they can no longer talk. We were told that Addie and Cassie would be lucky to see their 12th birthday. After reeling with this devastating diagnosis, my wife and I dedicated ourselves to finding treatments for our twins in their lifetime. We gave up successful high-tech careers in Silicon Valley, and we became research philanthropists raising money for research, and ultimately we became biotechnology entrepreneurs developing a compound. The compound we found was cyclodextrin, and we found it with the help of an amazing group of scientists, researchers, and physicians from all over the world, including right here in Reno. Every week, the girls get an infusion. It's eight hours long. It goes into their bloodstream, the cyclodextrin. Every other week, like yesterday, the girls go to the hospital, and they get a lumbar puncture in their spine in order to get the cyclodextrin to reach their brains directly. We think that the combination of those two routes of administration are slowing down the neurodegenerative progression and hopefully maybe even stopping it. Addie and Cassie were the first little pioneers to try this scary treatment. I can tell you as a parent, um, with no one in front of you paving the way, it, it, it truly is a scary moment. Thankfully, more than a dozen, couple dozen kids around the world, including a few at the NIH, are now engaged in further science and research on this experimental treatment. But the treatment doesn't seem to help with their seizures. As a result of the neurodegeneration, my kids have seizures almost daily. A couple years ago, they were way more than daily. They were many a day. We had... uh, we started giving the kids traditional pharmaceutical medicines for their seizures. And they, and they worked. Some of them worked. Some of them didn't work. But the big problem was most seizure drugs cause your kids to become zombies. The whole purpose of the drugs is to essentially take away the stress or the triggers that cause seizures. We had heard about a father in California that was treating a young son who was intractable seizures, seizing constantly all day long. And he was using cannabis medicine. We became interested. We contacted him. We learned more about the drug. Ultimately, we decided to pursue cannabis in in earnest. Did you know that the cannabis plant was used uh, in as early as 2900 BC in China as medicine? Did you know that we in America were using, in the 1800s, for a century, we were using cannabis to treat a number of afflictions? Unfortunately, in the early 1900s, as you all probably know, cannabis was prohibited and subsequently demonized and turned into a war. It's a shame. It truly is a shame. But we became convinced that the oil would work. So we set out to find a supply of oil. Certainly, cannabis has been legal in the great state of Nevada for almost a decade. Surely we could just go out and buy some oil and give it to our kids. Not true. There was no oil available in our, in our great state. So we set out to do it ourselves. First, we got physician approval to do the treatment of cannabis. And then we became caregivers, licensed caregivers in the state of Nevada, which allows us to cultivate and make 
extractions, oils from the cannabis plant to give to our kids. Every day, three times a day, the girls get a little oil like what you see here. This oil is extracted from a very special cannabis plant that's high in cannabidiol, or CBD as we, as we call it. Unfortunately, this oil by itself doesn't even completely, for our children, uh, stop their seizures. So we still use a small amount of pharmaceutical medicine, but we use less. We've, we've reduced the number of drugs the kids take, and we've remo- re- reduced the amount of dose from the few drugs we do give them. And consequently, our kids are not only having fewer seizures and shorter seizures, they're also bright-eyed and happy children. Again, they're no longer little zombies. This was great progress, but I thought to myself, holy cow, there are two million epilepsy or seizure disorder sufferers in the, in the United States. Who's going to help those folks, those kids, those adults with these, with these disorders? And at that moment, we decided to take what we had learned for our children and turn it into a commercial business here in the state of Nevada, which was just preparing to allow that to happen. And as Kylie mentioned, we've endeavored to do so and are now licensed to grow, extract, and sell, dispense cannabis here in Nevada, the state of Nevada. Someday the federal government will end prohibition. But how many lives will be lost potentially or severely uh, affected in the meantime? How many kids with seizures like mine will move will move their families, will uproot from their homes to move to Colorado or Nevada to get these medicines? How many cancer patients will be denied access to inexpensive and effective medicine to treat the side effects like pain and nausea that come with chemotherapy? There is a groundswell of folks like me who understand the potential of cannabis, and uh, I'm grateful for that. The ironic thing is my fam- some of my family and friends, including most particularly my own mother, are still not convinced my mother is worried that the, uh, the free access to cannabis is actually a threat to society and that perhaps the medicinal value doesn't outweigh that threat. And she sees the medicinal value in her grandchildren. The problem, I think, is that really we just don't have enough hard evidence yet to convince the skeptics. There just isn't enough science and research to back the foundation that the medicine's working, the medicine's effective, that are useful for large populations of people. That's not to say that research doesn't exist. There's a mountain of evidence that the cannabis plant is useful. But there's not a lot of clinical science, hard clinical science to that effect. That's the conundrum. That's the chicken and egg problem. Until the federal prohibition of cannabis ends, until we take cannabis off the schedule of harmful drugs like LSD and methamphetamines uh, that have no medicinal value, until we remove cannabis from that list, which, which, which is in, in, insane that it's on that list to begin with, until we remove it from that list, research can't take place. If I came to the University of Nevada Reno Medical Center tomorrow with a million-dollar grant to study cannabis, I would likely not have success. It's not that the scientists don't want to study the plant. It's that they are fearful of losing federal funding. It's because they'd have to deal with the DEA and other regulatory agencies at the federal level, which is a complex and expensive process. This is, this is, this is one of the many tentacles of the prohibition of cannabis that actually prohibits us from moving forward. My own personal experience with cannabis, along with the evidence, the science that I know about, makes me absolutely certain what I shared with you earlier. Cannabis has the potential to become 
big healthcare success story of our lifetimes, but only if we allow it. Here at Cassie in a more recent picture. For those of you who are still skeptical, perhaps for those of you like my mother who still worry about the societal downside of cannabis, I ask you to look at this picture and consider the following. By limiting access to cannabis for parents like myself, you're forcing me to make a decision between the lives or well-being of my children and going to jail. How is that a fair or rational set of thinking in modern society? Our 16th president, the famous 16th president, uh, had very strong feelings about this subject. He said, prohibition goes beyond the bounds of reason and that it attempts to control a man's appetite by legislation and makes a crime out of things that aren't crimes. A prohibition law strikes a blow at the very principles upon which our government was founded. This was Abraham Lincoln. And he said these words before we had the experiences we had with alcohol prohibition or with cannabis prohibition. Someday the federal government will spend the money on research. Someday the NIH will actually be actively pursuing cannabis as a treatment. Until that day comes, a large group of us have come together and formed a nonprofit to organize and fund clinical research in cannabis in the private sector until we can use the academic institutions. We call the foundation People Can in in honor of advocates like myself who over the last several decades have been saying what I'm now saying and whose words I didn't listen to until my own situation demanded it. That's uh, an interesting speech by Hugh Hempel, who talks about using cannabis to uh, help his 11-year-old twin daughters. Now, Cannabis Health Radio is listener-supported radio, and uh, if you'd like to assist us in our mission, which is to help people throughout the world get a better understanding and use cannabis for their health issues, please go to our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and make a donation, and we thank you in advance for doing that. We'll be back with another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.